Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, chapter 18 of Luke, as we finish up this morning our series, Great Question, looking at the great questions that Jesus asked to reset our lives. And we're reading from Luke 18, verses 35 to 43. And as we open the Bibles, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, your Bible is the way that you speak to us and bring your word into our lives. So we pray that you give us fresh eyes to see your scriptures this morning, that you open our hearts to hear your living word, that we may love you more deeply and follow you with all that we are. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Luke 18 at verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Amen. Great question. What do you want? You know, actually, one of the the least favorite questions for me to be asked is, what do you want? What do you want? Um... It's the church's birthday on Saturday. It's my birthday next month. And so family members start to ask, what do you want? When Christmas comes around, they ask, what do you want? And you know, I always have a hard time with it. Because if you ask for something too big, you know, then you're selfish. If you ask for something too little, you're a loser. (laughs) And if you don't say anything at all, you know, you're unengaged and aloof. Right? So you can't win, you know? And then, uh, and then you're all thinking, what, what kind of a brat is this guy who's uh, stressed out by people wanting to give him gifts? But it's a tough question. It's really a tough question. What do you want? How do you answer that question? In Jen Pollock Michael's book, Teach Us to Want, she says a new field of psychology has sprung up. Have you heard of this? It's called wantology. Wantology. And you can hire a wantologist. You might want one. Hang on. And here's what they do. She says, quote, A wantologist helps clients verbalize their latent, unrequited desires and moves them toward achieving happiness by identifying the ways they can satisfy those desires. See? Excellent. Just figure out what you want and figure out how to get it, and you'll be happy. See how that all just... 
See how that all adds up? That's the premise. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you figure out what you want. And then I'm going to help you make a plan to get it. And for that reason, you'll pay me because I'm your wantologist. (laughs) But isn't there a wrinkle in there somewhere? What if what I want isn't actually good? What if what I want isn't actually helpful? What if what I want isn't, isn't a healthy thing? What happens then? How do I get home from there? Oscar Wilde once said, There are only two tragedies in life. One is not getting what one wants. Can you guess what the second one is? You've got it. The other is getting it. The whole world I live in is actually bent toward giving me what I want. If I, uh, you know, if I watch something that I like on Netflix, say I like it, well, they come up with more shows that are like that that I might like. If I buy something on Amazon, suddenly I'm getting all kinds of suggestions about other things like that that maybe I want. If I search for something on Google, all of a sudden on Facebook, I'm getting ads for that very thing. Do you know that I used to think that was an amazing coincidence? (laughs) But wow, I really am supposed to go get that, you know? It's popped, it's just popping into my life, every window. Actually, the whole world is trying to give me exactly what I want. But sometimes what I want isn't what I need. Our, great, our series Great Question wraps up today with Jesus asking one of the most challenging questions he asks in the entire gospel. And you may have read right over it. But actually, it's profound. What do you want? Jesus doesn't heal until he touches the heart. He doesn't move his hand until he sees what's inside your heart. What do you want? Verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. This sounds familiar, particularly if you were here last week. A man is suffering by the, on the margins, you know, on the side of the road, out, outcast, not in the regular sort of run of society. And he cries out to Jesus for help. And others are saying, no, no, you don't have time for that person. In fact, you should just walk by that person. And Jesus' own people are telling him to just walk by, keep moving, don't stop. But Jesus stops. There's plenty of time. We can work this out. The only difference between last week and this week is is that the man is blind instead of ten men suffering from leprosy. But we're reminded of two things again. We're reminded again of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord who stops. He stops. He's the Lord who sees and moves toward and loves and acknowledges. He's the Lord who moves toward needs. He, He stops with regard to those that others walk by. Jesus loves people. He sees people. He moves toward 
people. And friends, I want you to know the very same is true for you. This Jesus that we celebrate, he loves you, he sees you, he knows where you're hurting, and he moves toward you. He says there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. That's one thing. Another thing that this teaches us, another thing that this teaches us is we are also reminded that the only thing we need to bring Jesus is our need. The only thing the blind man brings Jesus is his blindness. The only thing we need to bring Jesus is our lack, our emptiness, our need. But you know what? For independent, uh, frontier-minded, Colorado adventure-goer capable people like you and me, that's actually very hard. It's very hard to bring Jesus our need. We want to say, Lord, we can do it. I can do it. I can, well, I can almost do it. If you just give me a little boost, you know, I'm almost there. But that isn't our posture before Jesus. The only thing we need to bring is our need, and we are required to show our need to Jesus. The man, uh, Mark tells us his name's Bartimaeus, only brings his blindness to Jesus. The only thing needed is need. Well, some in the crowd didn't want this to happen at all. They didn't want uh, Jesus to stop at all, but Jesus, he stops, and he and he, and he brings the man over. Verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. So here's our great question. What do you want? And why does Jesus ask this question? I mean, he can see that the man is blind. The primary challenge in this man's life is very clear. So why ask? Why ask? Why the question? Jesus always wants to know what's in our heart. He doesn't move his hand until he sees our heart. Why? Well, a blind man with a good heart is better off than a seeing person with a rotten heart inside. You know? So Jesus could, could heal this man of his blindness, but a, a man who's seeing with a rotten heart, he's worse off in the long term. Jesus could wind up doing more harm than good to this man by giving him his sight if his heart is rotten. What do you want? Now Jesus has seen a little bit into his heart just by the man's cry of faith. Jesus, son of David... Have mercy on me. Son of David. Son of David. I thought Jesus' father's name was Joseph. Wasn't that, isn't that the guy in the Christmas, you know? Don't I, have a little, I don't have a little clay thing of David in my nativity scene. Son of David, son of man, son of God. These are all ways of expressing faith in Jesus' supernatural origin. Jesus, he didn't come along just like you and me. This Jesus, whoever he is, he's come from God. Son of David, have mercy on me. But that's just a little bit. And so Jesus asked the great question to open up the heart even more. What's in there? What do you want? 
what do you want me to do for you? And the man answers, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Would you share the deepest desire of your heart with Jesus? Would you show him what's inside? This feels very intimate here. They get sort of face to face, like Jesus pulled them aside, said, listen now, just you and me. What do you want? If Jesus came to you and he walked into your office tomorrow morning, stood at your desk, or sat with you at breakfast tomorrow morning and met you and stood before you and said, I'll do, it's your lucky day, I'll do three things for you today, whatever you want, okay? This is, uh, this is like genie Jesus, okay? This is very bad theology, this doesn't happen, uh, uh, but here, just play along, okay? It's like Aladdin's genie, Woo! which you know you're always supposed to ask for three more wishes, you know that, right? Just in case you're in that situation, I want you to know. So Jesus comes before you and he says, just today only, I'll do three things for you, whatever you want. What would you ask? Would it be good for you? Would it be good for those around you? I think, you see, I think so much of prayer is about opening our hearts genuinely and honestly before Jesus and just showing him what's in there. Would you let Jesus see? Well, this man told the truth. And I want you to notice something. He didn't downgrade his hope. He didn't scale down his request. He was honest. He didn't say, ah, you know, if I had a better cane, you know, because I'm blind. If I had, you know, if I had a, a helper, uh, that'd be nice, a helper to sort of walk me around. That would help. Th- you know, if I had a big pile of cash, Jesus, that would, it would make being blind not so bad. He didn't scale down his request. He was honest with Jesus. He said, I want to see. I know it's crazy. I know it's outlandish. I know, I know, it's, I know it's impossible. But you ask me what I want. And what I want is I want my eyes to work. I want to see. I'm a blind man who wants to see. Now, can Jesus work with that? What do you think? Can Jesus work with that? Yes. Yes, he can. Verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now look at this closely with me. Verse 42 could also be translated, your faith has saved you or made you whole and secure. Notice something. Jesus didn't say, your faith has restored your sight. That's not what he said. The seeing is a gift. He said, receive your sight. And the seeing is a gift. Receiving is something that we do 
with a gift. And so Jesus has given him the gift of restoring his sight. And then Jesus declares, your faith is also doing something. Your faith has now done something in your life. By faith, you are now saved. By faith, you are set right with God. Faith has set your hope on the right things and has put you in right relationship with me. Faith in Jesus has made all of your tomorrows different from all of your yesterdays. Does faith work? Absolutely. Your faith has saved you. Or as we read elsewhere, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Do you follow? And how does, how does he respond? Well, look again. He responds with discipleship. Receiving his sight, he followed Jesus. That's discipleship. He followed Jesus. And he responds with worship praising God. And all the people around him do the same. Why? Because maybe this Jesus, son of David, is the Messiah. Only the Messiah answers to son of David. Only the Messiah gives people sight, makes the blind to see. Only the Messiah, only the Messiah can bring salvation And maybe this Jesus, maybe this Jesus is the one that we've been longing for, the one that we have needed, the one on whom our hope has rested for so long, for all the different things that I have wanted. Maybe Jesus is actually where all of my desires come home. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So I ask, what do you want? What do you want? Would you show it to Jesus? Would you you tell him what you want? What if, as this proverb is saying, what if there could be a longing fulfilled? What if there could be desire in your life that is actually fulfilled? What if Jesus is really what you needed all along, deeper, deeper than all of these presenting desires? There's just too much in life of useless desires and harmful cravings. There's too much of it in my own life, wanting things that never satisfy. And you know, would you show Jesus what you want? I mean, would you show him what you really want? I'd be a little embarrassed. Wouldn't you be honest with me now? Wouldn't you be a little embarrassed to just throw the box open, to open your, uh, your box of uh, your hope chest, your box of wishes, and say, Jesus, let's just look on ins- inside here and see what's going on. And uh, you can imagine just popping that open. Well, here's what's in here, uh, Jesus. And you can imagine Jesus pouring into it pulling a few things out. Huh. You know? 18-inch biceps. (laughs) Okay. A million dollars. That's that's nice. That'd be nice. 
Cherry red Ferrari. <laughs> Those do run well. Um, let's dig around a little bit here. <laughs> you know? uh, let's see. Shooting par on 18 holes of golf. <laughs> Son, that just ain't going to happen, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't you be a little embarrassed to really show him what you want? I mean, hopefully there's some good stuff in there too, you know, if your roots around, a healthy marriage, uh, well-adjusted kids who follow the Lord, a chance to uh, help and, and serve others and make a difference in the world, um, a vacation to the south of France, yes, that, I'm, just, I'm just keeping that one in the good pile, just keeping that one in the, good, in the good pile over here. But you know you'd be a little embarrassed, wouldn't you, just to honestly throw it open and show Jesus what you want? But here's what I want you to know. Jesus isn't embarrassed. He isn't embarrassed to look at what you want. And he isn't surprised. And in fact, it's exactly the kind of openness and honesty and trust and intimacy that Jesus wants with you. So that he can get in there and start working with you on your desires. He wants to get in there and start pulling you away from useless desires that never satisfy and pulling you toward godly desires, good things, healthy things that, by the way, God intends to fulfill and desires that being fulfilled are, as the proverb said, a tree of life, a tree of life, just life bearing fruit for you in season and out, just dropping beautiful fruit into your life because your desires were not bent toward things that don't satisfy, that are never finished, that are never fully there. They're bent toward godly things, good things that actually bear rich fruit. Isn't that what you want? When I was, uh, I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, and I had, uh, I had given my life to Jesus. I had given my life to Christ at a Young Life camp when I was 12 years old. And, um, but I was, you know, in that stage of young adulthood where I was starting to feel like, boy, I really got set up here, you know? I've, <laughs> I've got, I got set up. Because it looks like I'm entering into a life now where I am in constant conflict with God. And from here on out, there's going to be a war to be fought every day, a war between me and what I want to do and God and what God wants me to do. And we're going to fight. And that's what my whole life is going to be about. Well, around that time, there was a man in my life named Simon who was discipling me, building into me, you know, helping me to know how to follow Jesus. And, and he opened the Bible and he showed me a Bible verse. It was Psalm 37, 4. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And he, and he looked at me and said, Tim, what do you think that means? We were sitting there in a subway, um, you know, sandwich shop in a booth. I remember like it was yesterday. And he leaned across the table and said, what do you think that means? Do you think that means God gives you whatever you want? Now, I so deeply wanted to say yes. <laughs> because that would be awesome if God just gives you whatever you want. But I didn't see a lot of evidence for that. He said, no, Tim. That doesn't mean God gives you whatever you want. What it means is this. 
It means that God gives you your wants. He gives you your desires. He changes what you want. He gives you the desires of your heart. He puts desires in your heart that weren't there before. He pulls you away from from bad things and towards good things. It means God changes what we want. He alters the desires of our heart when we delight in Him. Amen. And suddenly I felt a little hope, you know, that it wasn't going to be me against God, me wanting to do fun stuff, right, and God wanting me to do the right stuff, and we're just going to fight each other for the rest of my life. No, no, no. It's not, it doesn't mean that. It means now God and I are going to be on one team, changing my heart, changing my desires, altering my appetites away from useless desires and harmful cravings that are never actually satisfied and toward godly things, good things, healthy things that God would also, would also intend to fulfill, that I would see some satisfaction in those things. And what's the hinge? What's the hinge of it? The hinge of it is at the very beginning of that verse when you take delight in Him. And the more I take delight in Him, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more I worship, the more I devote, show Him devotion and service, and I just just fall in love with Jesus, the more I do that. Well, maybe it's not one-to-one. It's not a mathematical equation. But the more I find myself taking delight in the Lord, the more things start to change. And the things I thought I wanted, they just kind of drift away. And my heart wants the things of God a little bit more. I think, you know, maybe I don't need 18-inch biceps. (laughs) The odds were kind of thin anyway. (laughs) You know, the arms are kind of thin, to tell you the truth. Maybe I just don't need that. Maybe, maybe God has a better set of desires for my heart. And I find it when I take delight in Him. But nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen until I'm honest, until I open the box and I say, Jesus, here's what I want. Could we look at it together? Let's look at what's inside here. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? It's a great question. Friends, there is something wrong in the world that needs fixing. Is there anybody in here who wouldn't agree with that statement? There's something wrong in the world that needs fixing. And it runs right through my own heart. We've been through a couple of weeks here looking at horrible things happening around the world. We're in a, we're in a delicate time here in our city with a young man uh, who uh, lost his life in, uh, uh, in a police-involved shooting. And we don't know the answers. We don't, we don't know the details. What we do know is there's pain. There's hurting in our community. And we feel that all together, all together. There's something wrong in this world needs fixing and it runs right through my own heart it doesn't take much 
for a young man with no foundations, who, who, who believes that human beings are a scourge, that they're a scourge to our planet, they're a scourge to our nation. It doesn't take much for one young man to light up the night with gunfire and cause devastation and tragedy and pain of an immense proportion. It doesn't take but one. There's something wrong and it runs right through each of our own hearts. And each week when we gather, we gather to delight in God, hoping, knowing that our praising of God is curative, that it's, it's changing the world, it's changing us, just to be here this hour worshiping the Lord. But we also do something else as we worship. We confess. We confess our sins. We come to the Lord and we say, there's something wrong in the world, and it runs right through my own heart, and I want to trust you to fix it. I want to show you the desires of my heart and I want them to change. And so each week we pause and we confess our sins. Here in the sanctuary we recite a prayer together. In the worship center we do it with a song as the worship leader says, take this song and put your heart before the Lord and confess. And why do we do that? It's not to berate ourselves, to make ourselves feel bad. We do it because we want to ask God to fix what needs fixing. In us. And a lot of times we recite a, a verse from 1 John 1 8 and 9. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, we can pretend that all of our desires are virtuous and just. We can pretend that everything that we want is defensible. And if you were in my shoes, you'd want it too. Or we can be honest before the Lord and say, God, there's some things that I want that are useless desires and harmful cravings. And I want to stop running away from you. And I want to run towards you. And I want to know your forgiveness and your grace. And this says forgiveness is possible. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He bore on His flesh, He carried on His body the penalty for our sins and our disobedience, for the desires of our heart that pull us away from God, that do harm to us and do harm to others. Jesus took the penalty for those sins on Himself, and He, he bore that penalty on the cross when He died. And because of that, there is forgiveness possible, not partial, total. Every inclination of your heart that has pulled you away from God can be forgiven because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You see, there is a fix. There's a, a cure. There's a remedy to the hatred, a solution to the murderous heart, a hope for all who are stuck in the rhythms of useless desires. There's a way out, a way home, and that way is Jesus Christ. But it says something more than that, not only forgiveness. It says that he will cleanse us. He will purify our hearts of all unrighteousness. Imagine a clean heart. Imagine a heart that longs for good things, for godly things. Imagine a heart that loves what's beautiful and true and good and wants to pull you toward Jesus. Imagine a clean 
heart. It's possible. It's possible. And it happens when we allow Jesus to ask us, what do you want? And we open our hearts and we let him in. And with mercy and love and grace, Jesus rolls up his sleeves and says, okay, all right, let's start from here. I want to give you an opportunity this morning before I leave you. Some of you are here this morning and some of you are, are joining us online who have never taken that first step of faith with Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. Can you imagine forgiveness? Can you imagine a clean heart, a new heart, an end to the war with God and the beginning of a partnership with Jesus, your Savior, you and Jesus, releasing your heart from the lifeless rhythms of useless desires and pushing your heart into good and beautiful things. We're going to pray because this is what Jesus offers when you respond in prayer and allow him into your heart. So we're going to pray together. For some of you, this is a continuation of, of a life with Jesus that you've been walking for years and years. For others of you, for others of you here or online, this is the kickstarter that you need. This is the new step that you've been waiting for. This is new life, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Imagine today, imagine today knowing Jesus. Imagine tonight laying your head to your pillow, knowing that you are at peace with God for the very first time. So I want to ask you to pray with me we all pray together. No one prays alone. And just follow along as I pray for you. Would you bow your heads in prayer and let's pray. O Lord, my God, I come before you this morning to ask forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life for me. My heart is open. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.